Why do you want to play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloid. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh grader? People, they like to see me as a victim. I wanted it. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have an Oscars profile review for you today after what might have been one of the longest pre-production conversations in MMO history. Arguments. That actually led, actually, actually <laughs> led to us finally hitting record. Usually we just we just say F you and don't record that day. But We wore uh, each other out. And we, we know each other too well. So it's like, fine, fuck it. Let's do it. That's yeah, pretty much what happened. But the show must go on. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> May, December is what we're talking about today, Michael. I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also, Mike. Yeah, no, it was a big uh, pre-show argument. And again, I, I think we're closer in actuality in terms of grades and how we view the movie. He's older. I'm younger. He's been abusing me for too long. And You're I'm the May. Realize it. I'm the December. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, I no, I think. Uh, I think pedophile jokes aside, and we'll have many in this episode. By the way. <laughs> yeah, no, well, no, so we did Todd Hayes, but we, go ahead. We won't. But look, at, I think. Uh, I think this movie works more for one of us as something, and then it, and it kind of, uh, it kind of just pisses you off, and that's where we're at. It happens at least once a year, right? There's an Oscars uh, film that everybody goes gaga over that I'm just like, oh, I'm smarter than everybody else. You're mad at the reception. That's, that's I, uh, Yeah, that's that's learned. a huge part of this. Yes, that is. Yes. So, all right. Well, listen to us walking on eggshells for the next uh, <laughs> 20 minutes of this non-spoiler review as we try to hard charge into the spoiler section, I guess. Uh, yeah. But... <laughs> Well, that's, let's start there. That is, if you've not joined us before for an Oscars profile review episode, uh, that is two spoilers for the price of one episode. We will be non-spoiler for the first. We like to say first half. Might be a little shorter than half this time, uh, as we'll go longer in the spoiler section, we think, for this particular episode. But for the first half, if you've not watched May, December yet, don't worry. We will not spoil it for you in the first half of this episode. It'll be all non-spoiler. You'll get a spoiler warning at the midway point, and then we'll be talking all about the ins and outs, the twists and turns, and a lot of plot-based conversation for the second half of a spoiler-filled review. All right, so May-December from Netflix, Todd Haynes, Sammy Birch, Alex Mechanic, roughly based on the life of Mary Kay Letourneau, who's being played by uh, Julianne Moore uh, Mm -hmm. in this film. There was a, a TV movie about Mary Kay Letourneau in 2000, Michael, and I just cannot believe this exists. And I wonder if the whole... You know, inspiration of this story, May December, is based on the fact that Todd Haynes realized that a, a movie existed about Mary Kay Letourneau, who was a teacher out in Washington, had an affair, was a pedophile, with her uh, with her seventh grade uh, student going yeah. into the summer of his eighth grade year or whatever. Yeah. Then and they ended up having a couple kids. She was in jail. They stayed together. They married being in jail. They ended up getting married afterwards. Raised the kids, yeah. and then yeah, the, that's when the drama of this movie comes in at the fictional storyline of Natalie Portman's Elizabeth Berry character trying to do a you know a Hollywood movie of the week about this. Really, just like the independent indie trying to rip from the headlines uh, a tragic true crime story which is kind of the new version of the movie of the week that used to air on television but now i guess we get once in a while i mean on <laughs> lifetime but otherwise we we do get them we, we get them on the big screen big budget netflix acquisitions is where they are now 
And uh, this is where this one ended up after premiering at Cannes on May 20th of this past year. Uh, happy birthday to you also, Mike. Mm-hmm. Not <laughs> then, a good omen. Not <laughs> a good omen. And then this one ended up dropping on Netflix on December 1st. So uh, like you have written here, they were able to grasp that lowest hanging of all the low hanging fruit by having this one truly be a May December type film as well. When jokes are so corny, though, don't you find them a little funny? Like the corniest jokes. Like, no. Yes. Yes. But this is the whole dad joke shtick that we've uh, anyway. This movie premiering in May and becoming available in December is the second funniest joke that this <laughs> movie has in it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and you stating that is even funnier than anything. No, okay. Critics, uh, this is where you grit your teeth. Critics have received this movie extraordinarily well. 92% on two hundred. Oh, don't I know it. Yeah. Rotten no, Tomato reviews. And 85 Metascore on 118 critical reviews on IMDb there, or at least that's where I read it on IMDb. The audience reception, 7.2 out of 10 on about 9K votes on IMDb, and then an 82% Rotten Tomato score. May-December is a $20 million budget, I believe. I I read that on the Wikipedia. They only listed $234,000 on the box office receipts. So Netflix still kind of skirting the wide release, even though I, I think they're getting out there to a couple hundred theaters these days. Uh, in, in, in a couple weeks in advance of uh, what's ultimately their Netflix premiere. But yeah, 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation, a married couple buckles under pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. Michael, what did you expect going into May, December? Let's yeah, and I, I'm starting to, like I, I said before round seven of our argument like uh, uh, the expectations and we always say expectations rule the day my expectations especially in my first watch were of a completely different movie i wasn't a drama? expecting like you're expecting yeah. a hardcore drama yeah i think so i think a hardcore drama is what i was what i was more expecting especially considering the subject matter and what this was about and how the trailer was presented and the tra- i mean going back after you watch the movie you go back and watch the trailer like you realize how over the top things are and how this mm-hmm. is like more akin to that Netflix uh, miniseries with Amy Adams where she has the wine glass that keeps getting filled up and being over the top. And it's, you know, like th- this movie is supposed to be, I think, closer to something like that, even though that's completely, you know, parody. And this one's supposed to be towing the line there. Um, but that's also part of my issue with it. But yeah, as far as expectations go, I was expecting something that's like a, a very serious movie. I think there's going to be memes about a lot of the lines in this movie. Uh, that, you know, I don't have enough hot dogs is the first one of those. It's a good joke. But, That's a good joke. But look, I, I, I'm also wondering what your experience with Todd Haynes' movies are. I remember you liking Dark Waters with Mark Ruffalo a quite a bit. Yeah, yeah uh, I, really I was like a big fan of the Mildred Pierce, Kate Winslet miniseries on HBO. Carol, I was a fan of Carol, even though it kind of took me a few watches to get to where I was I didn't a like Carol. Fan of Carol. I like Carol. I didn't. I've never seen The Velvet Underground. I've never seen Wonderstruck. You were kind I of hated torn those. on those. Yeah. Hated those. And I cannot, under pain of death, I cannot tell you what my review of Velvet Goldmine was, which I did watch in college. I remember put it, pushing play. I remember renting it. I remember mm. pushing play on it. I remember in a room full of people watching it. I don't remember what I thought of Velvet Goldmine. I remember going to the movies with friends to see Far From Heaven. I cannot, under pain of death, <laughs> if you tortured me right now, I could not tell you my review of Far From Heaven. It's like a a character from a beloved Pixar movie being wiped 
from my memory <laughs> because that's what the movie's about. It's about long-term memory storage. And yeah, I, I can't remember. It's like, poof, it's gone. And but I do remember. That character, no. much like the lead character in Far From Heaven, is played by Julianne Moore in your mind. Now she now now it is absolutely now it is I think in uh, I think it was Dom DeLuise who voiced the character in the Pixar movie I'm pretty sure about that I think it was Richard Kind it's Richard Kind even though Dom DeLuise (laughs) died 20 years earlier anyway I I think uh, I think our memories are gonna inform a lot of our reviews here too like because in a way like I'm I am so. I am so dispositioned to laugh at, like the at the the industry in a way. I think you had a normal upbringing, okay, <laughs> a relatively normal one. <laughs> where because you, I where realized you were... in telling you the story about how we had those contortionists visit me at my elementary oh school, my and the God. first question was about sex. Like as that leaves my lips, I'm like, yeah, that's probably not a normal experience. It's not a normal experience, but <laughs> so. That may be where part of the disconnect comes in. So those contortionists. So contortionists yeah. went to Mike's school. Yeah. They they told him about the birds and the bees. That's how you there's learn. A, there's a scene in this movie in which Natalie Portman is being interviewed by a high school class. And one of the class like laughingly asks her about performing sex scenes. And she answers it seriously. And to it's Mike, funny to that me. was a joke. Yeah, it's and funny to, me, to me, I was like, yeah, that happened in sixth grade. <laughs> It's evil. It's wrong. It shouldn't be done. But it's so effed up. It's it's so wrong. It's funny to me. I'm a monster. I think that again, we're realizing this. You're actually much more sensitive. You have a much more. Uh, your, your moral compass is working much better than mine. Well, no, I I think it's almost the opposite. Like I was I was exposed to these things at way too young an age. So I'm mm. just. I'm the monster. <laughs> I'm so desensitized to it that I can't take it in a funny way. Well, we both think we are horrible <laughs> monsters to start this episode. So, all right. So I went to the New York Film Festival. I saw an encore screening of this, which is just essentially like a regular movie screening. But I remember the crowd liking it quite a bit. And I remember walking away from this movie, Train Ride Home, not loving it that much. And I did like a 10-minute version of a non-spoiler review in one of my solo episodes when you were sick in, in Vegas and dying. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was not helping you in any way, shape, or form other than to say that May, December was like a movie with the more I thought about the more I liked it, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy the movie watching experience. Well, rewatching it twice on Netflix, it is exponentially more fun for me to watch. I, I, again, I'm, I'm a bad person, I guess, but <laughs> I do think it's funny. I laughed like a dozen times, and I think my, I, I, I think my family, watching it with them, it, the tension was so high. Because everybody had high expectations for it. Like, I put on the trail. It's like, are you guys sure you want to watch this? You know, it's just, it's a Sunday night. Do we watch a, do we watch a movie? It's just my parents and my brother and myself. And they're like, yeah, I want to watch that. You know, it was either this or Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was too long. They wanted to go for this. And there was polarizing reviews from opposite sides of the family. Like, also, mom hated it. I was going to say, there's no way your mother liked this. Hated it. Yeah. Also, Dan is kind of meh on it. He's kind of in the middle. He's like, it didn't come to enough of a crescendo for me. And also, dad seemed to be step for step with me laughing like an idiot. Like, we were both laughing like a father-son idiot That's so bizarre to me. Duo. I cannot, like, I cannot, and maybe that's why you laughed more, is because you were around a community when you were watching this, and I watched it alone, like I do all the time in my cave of misery. But, like, cause, <laughs> like, the love guru is the same thing. People hated the love guru. 
I hate the love guru. Right. And you should. And everybody should. But when I saw the love guru, I saw it with a big group. I was losing my mind at the love guru because we were just making jokes and laughing. And I was with friends and it was a good watching experience. Mm -hmm. So like, maybe that has something. Maybe if I was watching this with other people, the jokes would have landed more. I don't know. But I I, part of my frustration with this movie is that I see it as wanting to be funny Mm. and nothing lands for me except for one joke. One joke. Yeah. So that, that that's a shame because I feel like it it's a dark comedy at the end. At, at, there's at nothing core. worse than you see someone wanting to be funny and the, mm. it, you don't find humor in it, right? Well, like if you're at, around someone making jokes that don't land, all normal, you want to do is get the hell out of there. Normal people with a moral compass <laughs> mm-hmm. might say that this true crime is so heinous that even in the orbit, even though the, the well, the that's comedy, also another part of my issue. Yeah, the yes. comedy is not about the crime. The comedy is about Hollywood trying to exploit the true story. All right, so the, the, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. But even in its orbit, it's hard. It's it's like a wet blanket, right? And those those jokes don't happen about the the exploitation without the underlying crime, right? So in my mind, it still has to, it's still but attached. It's to the, the audacity of telling a story. Right. Right. about this just like but but the fact is it's true like in 2000 they made a tv movie about a pedophile i do wonder if that movie was the one that's on in natalie portman's uh, apartment during that one scene i wonder too i movie. wonder yeah. too we only get echoes and glimpses of it we yeah. don't get the actual movie at all but uh, and that's not a spoiler we just don't get it other than the fact that uh you know we <laughs> we see some rehearsals or whatever right. but look i think uh I think in terms of a composition, a lot of people have talked about different layers here. You're not all that impressed. I would say, you know, I'll get into it in spoilers to kind of go through what it is. I I would say there are layers. I am a bit more impressed by the screenwriting Mm -hmm. and directorial prowess here. It's a juggling act. It should not work. So in my mind, there are points for ambition with uh, Sammy Birch, Alec Mechanic's script. And, And there's a lot there. When it I'll give points been. for ambition, and yeah. I'll give points for the it should not work of it all. I just don't think it does. More less, I think it works far less than you do. Right. So that's where we're at. There, we're kind of torn. So this this movie is not even in the realm of an Oscar nominated screenplay for you because I have it right. It's like my fifth screenplay right now. This movie is fine. And I know I get I've given that review to several movies on this show <laughs> in the past, but th- like it's like I said to you right before we hit record. In 20 years, whether you're talking about Milton's performance or any of these performances or this screenplay, in 20 years, I don't think we're going to like look back and think, man, this is one of the all-time, not even all-timers, but like that's one of the best screenplays of the past 20 years. That's one of the best performances of the past 20 I don't think we're going to remember this movie much in 20 years. Whereas things that it's up against in this Oscars year alone, I do think we will are quite memorable. Look, I, I know you say that Oscar movies should be memorable 20 years down the line, but ultimately it's, it's hard to say it's, that's a high standard. That's I agree. Too high, yeah, high I standard. Agree. 20 I years. I mean, five years from now, it's an incredibly maybe. high standard. That, that's too high in my mind, but it's fine. It's fine. That's fine. You want this movie to, to be more, leave more of impression on you uh, in terms of what it accomplishes. But uh, as a composition, I'd say in terms of the performances, this is another rift between the mics i and look i i am a fan of charles melton he's eighth in my supporting actor rankings right now so i'm not as high 90s. on him as a consensus you are really not high on him now i tried so hard mike i really did on re i watched this movie multiple times which mm-hmm. i never do for reviews 
and I, I try to like be okay. Let's see what everyone is seeing. Do you have a clear headed perspective on young male Hollywood? Though? <laughs> we, we, this was very funny, but we went through a, and we listed like Jacob yes. Elordi. Yeah. You have a grudge and it's not like mm-hmm. a fake grudge. You, you have yeah, a grudge no, against Jacob no. Elordi. Yeah, I want bad things to happen to him. That's right. <laughs> we went through a list of people. That's not true, day. by the way. It is, it is kind of a fake grudge, but go ahead. <laughs> It's kind of a fake joke. I'm scrolling back up in my uh, in my text messages. Text conversations ben, where you list ben all the guys. Pla- yeah. yeah, you Dominic Sessa, brand yeah. spanking new. They took him out of the the drama club at his yeah. boarding school, and he goes toe to toe with Paul Giamatti. You hate him. <laughs> Doesn't go toe to toe. God. <laughs> so Char- I'm better than these men. Dominic Sessa, <laughs> Charles Mel, Cooper Rafe. I mean, you could and and then Ben Platt, which is it's not my fault. That Hollywood produces these men with punchable faces. <laughs> these poor I shouldn't guys. be taking the task for that. Look, this isn't like it's easy to say this is gel. It's truly not gel. Like I'm bewildered by the idea that so many people find Charles Melton that attractive. This was another law, you know, not an argument, but this was this was this is the dumbest shit you've ever said, by the way, because <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think. Half the population who has seen this man, yeah. more than half, yeah. thinks he is a heartthrob, thinks he's beautiful. And let me take this moment to explain who what happens in my mind. Who cares let me, let, me, let me explain to you what happens in my mind. I've told this to Mike. What happens in my mind when something like this happens, right? If I disagree so vehemently with someone about anything. You are anything, not a gay man. You are not attracted that's fine. to men. That's fine. Who cares? No, you're right. You're right. You are but, but, unqualified. I'm just, you're I right. am unqualified. <laughs> you're right. To you're weigh right. in upon this. You're right. You're absolutely right. My only, re- The only reason I'm talking is to tell people how my mind works, because whether it comes to who is an attractive man or not, whatever the issue is going forward, if I disagree this vehemently, it's not like, oh, I must, there's no introspection on my end. <laughs> it's just pure arrogance and me saying, oh, you're all dumb. <laughs> And you can't be trusted with opinions, and therefore I will not value any of yours going forward. Which is not a way to live. You can't go through life like that. I understand this. There will be a reckoning at some point. I'm in therapy. But nonetheless, that's how it works right now. There will be a reckoning. I agree. There will be a reckoning, and I want to be around to see it. (laughs) I'm aware of all this. Riverdale, the sun is also a star. Bad Boys for Life, Heart of Champions. That's what he does. Wait, wait, wait. We got a little off track because of the good-lookingness of it all. That said, the only person I'm jealous of because of looks of that list is Jacob Elordi, who I do think is quite the attractive individual. Okay. My my issues with Charles Mountain looks have nothing to do with necessarily his performance. I do think the fact that people find him so attractive tends to lead them towards saying how great he is in this movie, which may be a little overblown. I wonder if it's kind of the stunted development because he's got this boyishness about him, and he's there 36, is a boy. I agree. Yes, and you're looking at this and like, oh, why is he in this arrested development? Why is he dressing like this? Why is he looking like this? Why is he, you know, that's a little uncomfortable, but that's mm-hmm. part of his character. But look at, I mean, the two-time winner of the last week, winner of the Gotham Best Supporting Award, and that's actresses and actors. That's a non-gendered category at the Gothams. Some really strong performances were nominated there including divine joy randolph yep. and and ryan gosling and then we had we had the new york film critics circle nominate or pick him as the best supporting actor so he's got momentum right now and i know you're a bigger fan as am i of gosling and uh 
RDJ. I think those are just two all-timers. And to right. suggest that, I mean, if you have those guys setting the, t- the tone for what that category is going to be, and then you're putting this guy, as a lot of people are, on their level, I, I just, I don't get it. So I will say this, and I think we can both agree on this much. We've debated his scenes already, but his quote-unquote Oscar real scenes they don't come until the second half of the movie. So the first half of the film, he he's very speak. shy and yes, pouty and oh, and pouty. Uh, he's he's very behind the scenes. He doesn't speak, and then he has some he has some Oscar real scenes in the last half. Those those are certainly where he's supposed to, and where the film positions him to have those scenes. Yes. We'll get into them. I feel they're a little more unique than you do. You feel yeah. like you've seen this performance many more times. And I, I guess where I'll agree with you is that I think the level of emoting we've seen, of course, and I'm always I'm always very curious about how people view these these movies like, and how actors are going to view them. Are they going to view the these small notes of a performance? Well, that's also want- part of my frustration is... is- I mean, how many times have we sat here on these mics and say, man, that's a great performance, but it's never going to get recognized by the Academy because of how reserved and pulled back it is. John Magaro, for for instance, this year. This year, Ryan Gosling and First Man, we were pounding the table over is another one that is like the ultimate one that sticks out in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have these huge emotional outburst scenes with these characters, but they're so good. And then it's like, this is the one? Of those, that's going to be finally breakthrough as an Oscar nominee. Part of my frustration. You're right. The reception is much more a lot of my frustration because of how I interpreted this movie. Yeah. Ultimately, I think he's going to be on the borderline, and we'll I see how this... you don't think he, you don't. What do you think the odds are he gets nominated? I, I don't know. I, he's got to keep the momentum up for a while, and I think he'll probably have another good week or two. I I would say he's like. He's like a plus three hundred to get nominated okay. right now. That's where I'm at. Okay. If that's, I was, put, that's, if I was, that's putting, not outlandish. If I was a generous person putting odds on it, obviously, if I'm the house, I'd probably say minus three hundred. But just because Celtics are plus three hundred to win the uh, in-season tournament. By the way, he's hot right now. There. I don't even want to know what the Knicks are. That's happening tonight. <laughs> but but look, I, I think Charles Melton has got to be talked about right now because of his momentum, and that's yeah, why we're doing the episode for Christ's sake, right? Mm-hmm. But. I think the two better performances are Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore. Yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman, this is the kookiest performance of her career, in my mind. Like, I cannot take my eyes off her. I think she's having so much fun. She's relishing every moment of just sticking it to Hollywood, sticking it to the acting business, to Oscar grab acting, to the, the exploitation of the industry. And this is like this over-the-top satirical take that works for me and then and then for her to play out play it out and all the nuances but she's again she's relishing all the nuances because it's not she's not hiding very much I and think it's that- weird it's 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 unusual to have two leads in julianne moore and natalie portman who are so well liked playing both in their own different ways really disgusting characters oh yeah absolutely so julianne moore is playing what what would be in, in any for anybody else an impossible character to bring to life. Yes. And even by the conceits of this movie where Natalie Portman is trying to quote unquote bring her to life, Elizabeth Barry, the, the character is trying to learn how to play Gracie Atherton you, right? It's impossible and she's full of complete BS in trying to figure out how to do it. So 
Julianne Moore at the end of the day, I don't think there's a lot of moral ambiguity with this movie. That's why I am very upset in terms of the what's being out there right now about this movie just having oh, you're trying to empathize. No, I, I don't I think it's a given from the jump. Like literally the first five minutes of this movie, it's a given from the trailer that Julianne Moore and Mary Kay Letourneau, they are who they we thought they were. They are who they are. I think and, if you believe in true love and like certain people are destined to be together, you try to say, well, maybe these are just two people who just ha- who are meant to be together, but their timelines just got mixed up. Like, I don't believe in any of that garbage. <laughs> So I'm with you. Like, yeah, but I'm I'm trying to like, maybe that's where the moral ambiguity uh, audience comes in. But yeah, I'm like you. I think it's pretty cut and dry. I think it's pretty cut and dry. That's where I'll land. That's where. But but the the reason why I'm mentioning that in a non-spoiler section, number one, they make it clear in the first three minutes of film and, and in the trailer, like I said. But number two, I do think it's essential to knowing how to watch the movie. I mean, I think it I think Todd Haynes laid that out as a premise. For the film, like the fact that you're taking on this level of true crime, this heinous level of true crime, you better recognize it as hyperbole for a satirical film. Otherwise, you're going to be mired in the in the nightmare of it. And nothing is funny. Wait a minute. Where? What does this sound like? Well, Sounds well, like somebody I know who just yeah, well, that's well, that's I mean, yeah, I, like, I agree. I, like, I feel bad for but you. But that's not explained at all going in, right? To me, I went into May, December fully realizing that we are not going to try and empathize with the Gracie character. This was not like a, a movie where, oh, I wonder no. if we could figure her out. I, Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's what I was expecting, but I was expecting more of a. I was expecting a, 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 come, a, a cinematic comeuppance for the Charles Melton character. At Gracie's expense. All right. Well, we're getting. Yeah, we're that's getting where I thought this this movie was. The spoiler territory. What I do you still call think that's there, but I just well, we could talk right. about it. Uh, right. Terms of the production values. Well, let's let's say in terms of the ensemble. What did you think of the? I, like I thought her kids did a really good job. Ge- genuinely and truly, and I'm. This is not me being just a. Uh, 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 what do you call it when I'm when I take the opposite position of everyone. <laughs> Contrarian, contrarian. You are a contrarian. I I am by nature, but this, like, this is honestly my opinion. I'm not just being a jerk. I think Melton's got the fifth best performance in this movie because I think the two daughters are great in what they do and what they're tasked with, what they're burdened with doing in their scenes. And how they have to wear their own trauma. But again, you don't like the youngster. You don't like the young dude here. Again, you're angry at young male Hollywood. I just hate you're... other men. I just I want to be the only man. I liked Gabriel Chung. He was good. No, I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah, that I don't. Scene. I don't dislike Melton's performance. By the way, I don't dislike this movie in whole. I dislike talking about it because it makes me angry. But you just I, you don't think it's worth the reception? Exactly. The that, that's exactly it. But you like the two daughters, Piper. Kurda is at honor the the oldest oldest daughter yes. and then uh, yeah Elizabeth Yu really good job from her and how they have to like how they're wearing and working through their own trauma of living with this monster or right. being shepherded by this monster like one takes the sarcastic route one takes the I guess empathetic or the at least like anxious route she's very mm-hmm. anxiety induced and I I think the the girls were great for their bit parts or small smaller roles whatever you want to classify it as. Right, uh, and I, I definitely want to go further uh, on that track and spoilers here, but I guess we could talk about the production values. They are 
this is the parody of the film. Like you have the cinematography holding this dreamy haze, mm-hmm. like a ni- early nineties, David Lynch, Hal Hartley beginning or something. And then you have, it's, it's almost like this pretty film over the film. It's like so- sands through the hourglass. These are the days of our lives. Exactly. It's just like this grotesque thing. And then the score, of course, is this. The score is the best joke. It's the -the over-the-top 1940s noir that was therefore adapted into the movie of the week scores throughout the 80s, again, 80s and early 90s. I tip my cap to Hayes. I tip my cap to the musical, to the composer. Like, the score is the best joke of this movie. And it's a good joke. It's really well done. So look, here's where the pundits are landing. Feinberg is fourth in supporting actor with Melton, fourth in supporting actress with Moore. He's fifth for original screenplay. He's 11th in picture, 10th in director, sixth in lead actress with Portman. 11th Portman. in picture? We have Clayton Davis, uh, ninth in picture. Ninth has, in picture? We have uh, 14th in director, sixth in lead actress for Portman, second in supporting actor. Clayton's all over Melton on this one. Is Seven. Past Lives a, a far superior movie to you? Yeah, no. Past Lives is three points higher for me. There's no question. Yeah. And that yet yeah, that has, and I understand this just came out, and I like it's it's like comparing apples to like tax returns right now. But one has no momentum at all, and this one has all the momentum in the world. It's almost as if the calendar and when things come out yeah. have an effect on all yeah. of us. All of what us. Should, I mean, what should, what should save past lives for November? That would have been weird, though, no? It's a movie about yeah. walking around in New York City. Yeah. Anyway, I'll finish up Clayton's yeah. list here. Seven, he's seventh uh, for more in supporting actress. Third in original screenplay for Birch and Mechanic. Good God. And then he goes further, and I appreciate Clayton for doing every category, 21st in cinematography, 13th in film editing. But look, I mean, overall, I think a lot of people in the punditry have made December on the edge. This is going to be a multi-time Oscar nominee, right? Teetering, well, it's teetering on the edge. It could go either way right now. This movie can have a backlash, and maybe people, like you say, it's not as good as not as smart as it thinks it is. I wish or, they would come out of the woodwork and say it already. <laughs> or they could uh, continue uh, the momentum of this movie. Like, this movie can keep winning screenplay awards. It could keep winning, which it won at New York Film Critics Circle. It could keep winning Charles Melton Awards. You could see Julianne Moore. Again, I think she's pulling off an impossible performance here, and I'm very impressed by her. So, I, look, I think those three, to me, have the best chances at Oscars. Natalie Portman probably has an outside chance, and if and if those three are in, then I think it's teetering right on the edge of the ten in Best Picture. Uh, wh- what do you think this movie ultimately gets if you put your pundit hat on, though? Uh, Melton, I think is in. Uh, I think he's he's as close to in right now as he can be because it seems like that's going to be a, a three hander for a supporting actor. Um, if you want to give give Julianne Moore a spot in lead actress, I think lead actress is going to be a bloodbath as well. But I would have no qualms with that. And if those two are in, I. What do you think about director? I I don't see it. I don't to either. be honest with you. I, I but again, I think I think Todd Haynes is kind of laying out in a way. He's not. I mean, he it. That's where the parody of the so lifetime if it's, movies. If come it's in. two actors and screenplay, then you think it gets picture. I think it's it's in the mix. So certainly. three and a half is the number, right? Three, yeah, a, a two and a half. I would put it at two and a half, but I, th- I mean, it sounds like I, you're li- you're less sure about Melton. 
the, the, the of the I, acting. I'm not that, sure about this movie. I'm not sure about this movie go having Oscar legs. Like I, when I initially watched so this much. movie, when I initially watched it, I was like, "There's no way the Academy goes for this." I did not believe. There's it. no way it should. This is not an Academy movie. And, this and, is and, this is a pundit parade movie. Yeah, if it if it takes three watches to like, like for me, I'll yeah, be honest with you, I'm it with took you. three watches and then reading your arguments against the movie to finally come up with a coherent through line on what I think. And apparently what I think is very similar to what other people think out there in a way. And I've kind of already gone over the broad strokes of that. But I, I don't know, man. I just think this movie, I, I, I think this project earns points in my brain for ambition. And I think it pulls it off just well enough to where I'm going to come on, on board with a positive grade that it's unique to me. And I like, I enjoyed the last two rewatches. So yeah, I'm positive about the movie, but again, how does this movie stack up in terms of the best of the year? How does this movie stack? Like, should it have been made? <laughs> like, <Nope. laughs> I don't know. These are all good questions. I wonder. I wonder too how the the segment of the Academy, which actually watches the movies, I wonder how they frame their watching experiences too because do they go in knowing it like do they have courtney cox explaining to them okay this is the premise of the movie this is what's going to happen this is blah 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 like do they go in with that far of an understanding or do they just go in blind being like this is a movie with a lot of hype and momentum let's see what it's about poor courtney cox watching strays <laughs> for just helping out a teammate there just cheering, so cheering on a teammate Anyway, her luncheons uh, have all kinds of power. Hey, so much for us being short about the non-spoiler section. Yeah, crap. No, yeah. we got too much to, to do here. Mm-hmm. So we, we let's let's put a pin in that and yeah, yeah, watch it and come along with us. The rest. You should watch it. That this is my declarative statement. It's, it's a fine watch. Watch it. Okay. <laughs> You're just like okay. <laughs> Spoilers ahead. How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. Were they born or were they made? This is a spoiler warning. This is the spoiler section for May-December, the Oscars profile episode brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place to hit pause on us. Go check it out on Netflix right now. It is streaming. Come back and hit play on us when you're ready. If you've seen the movie already, you just want to hear our thoughts or the residue from our argument that we had prior to hitting record on this episode. This is where you want to be. All spoilers from this point on May-December, the Oscars profile review brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. All right, Mike. All right. I think we all have our guilty pleasures. I think I think Todd Haynes is certainly poking some serious fun at the guilty pleasures of a large segment of the of the population. Certainly of the art consuming world, of the film industry making stories about true crime, heinous true crimes for our amusement. Under yeah. the guise of doing so out of a certain level of, of uh, you know, of, of self-importance. Which, Tabloid are, fodder, made-for-TV yeah, tabloid. movies, true crime podcasts, yeah. I think a lot of us 
have guilty pleasures like that. You and I, I don't know if we necessarily hold that as a as a one of our better guilty pleasures. We have our vices. We have things that we love. I like science fiction and fantasy. You can't stand those things. You like wrestling. You like uh, and gambling on everything. Gambling on everything. Those are guilty <laughs> pleasures of yours. You yeah. admit as much, don't right. you? Yeah. Sure. Right. You uh, you like reality TV too. Like yeah. you, you're guilty about a lot. Everybody of has everybody has their vices. Yeah, I agree. I go in for I go in for really tawdry serial killer movies. I'm a piece of shit. I love them. I don't think that makes you a piece of shit. But okay. no, it's a piece <laughs> of human garbage. Right. I will watch any serial killer film ever. <laughs> I think that makes you just a fan of cinema. But okay, I think a, a serial killer movie that gets twenty percent on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> that stars Morgan Freeman on Hulu. Is gonna get watched by me. Okay. Like, there's just a new one. Like Morgan Freeman under all this fire. I'm still gonna watch that piece of shit movie because I'm a piece of shit. Okay. Right. I think you have some some self talk issues, but right. probably. Look at. I think Todd Haynes is definitely poking fun at a certain realm of guilty pleasures, and I think those guilty pleasures aren't ours. But if they're yours. Perhaps this movie means a lot, and I do think there, I do think a large contingent of the critics are watching this movie, realizing a lot about themselves. You know, oh my God, I would watch the two like in two thousand, I would watch this freaking movie of the week, or I would watch. Yeah, that's I, the ideal. Sure, I would watch Natalie Portman playing this role in a in an independent movie, and why? Oh my God. Like, this movie wouldn't be greenlit today, but uh, I think maybe we would watch it. Would You uh, You can't make this movie today, of course. The movie that Natalie Portman's trying to make in this movie. Trying to make. And, yeah. it, and, it's, the, and it's the coup de grace that sh- she is playing those scenes at the end about the snake. He's not that kind of snake with her lisp. And it's awful. And it's a nightmare. It's terrible. She's lost. <laughs> it sucks. Failure. Dead. Not not the movie's dead. Yeah, this movie DOA. ends on us being on set for her movie, and she's just it's the the real life reenactment of this one scene over and over, a bunch of different takes. And I, she's not that good of an actress, but it's Natalie Portman, so it's amazing to watch her playing not that good of an actress, nonetheless. So yeah, it's to me this movie is not ambiguous. This movie is very clear about where it lands. So May December is that parody of a melodrama, and. and it's what it's really hiding is that it's a drama. Like the the movie is a drama, but it's a drama and a satirical, you know, a drama with some satirical comedy in it about the Hollywood machine exploiting these terrible things. But ultimately, it is a drama because we're left with the sobering tragedy of it all and this terrible sadness at the end that we're all really, really, really effed up because we've watched all this stuff over the years. And okay. I think when you, but, but I, I, ultimately, I think when you have such a great cast, and, and and if you don't want to include Melton in that, that's fine. And when you have such a talented filmmaking uh, group and a crew, like, but bottom line, when you have Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman putting this stuff in the clear light of day, there is no ambiguity. You learn, you learn what this was about, and that's why we know Julianne Moore is a effing monster. We know Natalie Portman's a horrible person. We know that uh, Charles Melton is the one to root for here. It's not It's not hard to, to grasp this film. Sure. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think where I, I would push back is that 
the execution of this saying that we as the viewer should be introspective about our vices and our uh, digestion of true crime stuff for entertainment purposes falls short. And it falls short because of the seriousness and the proper seriousness, I would say, with which the underlying crime is not only has in our minds, mm-hmm. but also is treated with within this screenplay. The the underlying crime is an unadaptable story today. I, yes, period. Full stop. That's End why of sentence. It's hyperbole, End of sentence. Though. That's but what that's, makes that's, that's what makes this peanut funny. butter and motor oil. That's why it's funny though, because you would never <laughs> no, ever no. adapt the story. No. No. Even though they God did adapt you're the story to <laughs> <laughs> right, If you're telling me that it's a soul-crushing sadness that we would even consider adapting the story, I agree with you. But that's why it's funny, Mike, because we're all <laughs> going to hell. We're all going to hell. I, I'm not even one of those people who's like, oh, there's certain things that can't be joked about or talked about. Because I do think there is a way in which you can. I mean, it's all about tact. They're T-A-C-T. not joking about the crime. So I've said this a couple different ways. Again, I, I, uh, yes, you're right. The jokes themselves right. are not directly, but they are a derivative of the crime. The but crime nonetheless, that's not even my point. The crime is the backdrop. The that's crime the, is the backdrop. But right. that's not even that's not even what I'm getting about. Like you can't. I think you can make jokes about anything so long as you have the proper tact. T a c t. I don't think this movie does it. Do, like or it at least gives too much weight to the seriousness while also wanting to make jokes about things around the seriousness. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the jokes land for one. You do, which is fine. That's a difference of opinion. That's subjectivity. Clearly more people are on your side about that than mine. Uh, but two, I think, again, you're giving too much weight. I don't think you can have it both ways. I don't think you could tell the super serious what happens to the victim of this horrible crime story while also trying to make... Like have the A and one and one A storylines be, we're going to tell the story about what happened to this kid who was a victim of Stockholm syndrome and pedophilia and sex assault at a far too young of age. But also I want to make this while telling that story about having uh, the viewer look at themselves introspectively into how they digest the exploitation of these men. I don't think you can make that. I don't think it works. Well, the most sobering part about this is if you research uh, Vili's story. And, and you research when he gets out of this relationship with Mary Key Letourneau, right? Well, that's... It happens on the same timeline, but the details of it... Sure, but there's a it, lot... Yeah, and there's a lot darker shit attached to what happened to the real-life person. Yeah. Right. This is I mean, he like turns, this he turns idyllic... to alcoholism. He turns to trying to take his own life. Like, there's all kinds of horrible stuff that's much more serious than Charles Melton grabbing his wrist and pouting and trying to... That being said, Charles Melton's having a breakdown. His character of Joe Yu is having a breakdown in this movie. So it's not like a total departure to look ahead that he might go there. I didn't realize that 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 was in play. And obviously it's much less funny when you talk about the seriousness of, of this man's life. However, you know, that that's his whole point. That's why this the drama is there at the end of the day. And the fact that he's so dismissive of the Natalie Portman's, you know, Elizabeth character after their big quote unquote crescendo of an, uh, you know, it's, it's anticlimactic. It's anticlimactic that, that they have sex and then they're both like F you. I think you need to minimize Natalie Portman's role or Charles Melton's. 
to to do and you have like you have to yeah, pick but then a- you're stuck then you're mired in the in the horribleness of this you can't make a comedy about Hollywood. you know no but that's what I, that's the point i'm making you can make the comedy if it, if you minimize charles melton's role i think this movie is a lot funnier if this movie is about natalie portman going on an episodic adventure of making this movie from start to finish it could be like a christopher guest film <laughs> you know a, a yes parody. oh yeah 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 no but i agree th- but he's trying to pull this he's trying to pull this uh magic trick well this is this is the argument this is the 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 entire the entirety of the disagreement between you and me is that todd haynes is trying to do the impossible here Mm -hmm. i don't think he succeeds you think he has success so what do you think is impossible what i just said telling no giving giving the one in one a stories here of trying to pull off both the seriousness of what happens to a victim in this situation while also trying to give equal weight to making jokes about how we consume these types of hollywood stories I think that's impossible. I think you I mean, need to minimize. The jokes could be incidental, though. Whether you take, whether you actually think this movie's funny, or whether you just think it's, you know, it's critical of Hollywood. Like you can watch, like Ann Thompson talked about watching this movie in a very serious way, whereas uh, Latanzio, the other critic now on Screen Talk, and the co-host there was talking about laughing his ass off. I mean, I mean, I, sometimes I, people have nervous laughter. That's probably half of my stuff. Like my grandmother and I, we always used to laugh at wakes and funerals because we would say sure. we're terrible people. But we, that's that's ner- it's gallows humor. It's nervous laughter, whatever. So I mean, maybe that's where I'm at if I'm psychoanalyzing myself. But Ann Thompson watched this movie deadly serious and still takes. And I think you do too. You just give it a C plus. You don't give it a an A minus. Right, you if you take this movie just as a straight drama, right? Oh, Hollywood's. T- I mean, and you I don't come away you with take, the thing. I don't think you can. I don't. I disagree. I don't think this can be taken as a straight drama, because the I think the attempts at comedy are so prevalent. There's like he's not one trying to obvious joke it. here, but you didn't laugh at anything else. No, I I, I didn't laugh. I yeah, are you realizing you're correct. that they're attempted but, jokes yes, and they don't yes. work? Yes, that's what I said in the non-spoiler section too. I can see him trying to make the, the jokes, and I just don't think they're fun. Like the 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 masturbation scene, like I get that that's trying to be like so ridiculous that it makes people laugh, but I don't. It didn't land with me. Like I can see the attempts at humor, and I think that's what makes me recoil even more is that I see the attempts at jokes. I just they just not funny to me, and I think they're not funny to me because of the context in which they're presented against the backdrop of this movie. I think that's a big memory for me. But I masturbating you know, in a pet shop. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a big me- no memory from the movie. <laughs> big hallmark of mine growing up. <laughs> when you think about this movie, you remember that scene. But the the, the funny scenes, or the funny things about this movie are the very small things. Like the the very, I, I think they're going to get memed after this. And you know, I, I I didn't write them down. There's a bunch of little things. But like, like let's say the edit coming off of the. Put, putting makeup on one another scene like that edit to Charles Melton's blank face watching the television. I is, laugh is when funny you describe those scenes to me. I don't laugh when I watch them. I, well, I don't know. I just, it was funny to me. It, it, it's funny to me every time I laughed every time, even my first watch in the movie theater in New York, I'm watch, I'm laughing at that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It caught me funny. Every hey, did the theater time. laugh? No. You were the I only was one the laughing. Only yeah. one. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, I only asked that question because, again, I was wondering about you know watching it in a communal setting versus watching it alone. Mm-hmm. Like if everybody else was laughing around you, maybe that made you more 
inclined to participate in the humor of it. And maybe that's what I'm missing here. But that wasn't the case here. No, they, nobody laughed. I, <laughs> I, am the, again, I remember you I, saying you were I go to the laughing. New York Film Festival yeah. and I laugh at all the stuff that nobody's supposed to laugh <laughs> yeah. at. That's what happens. Good, good. That happens every year. That's the Mike, Mike and Oscar difference. <laughs> that's the Mike, Mike and Oscar <laughs> promise. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. So I don't know how you want to take this. We've kind of already covered the, we've, we've, we've laid out our sides of the argument. I don't know if we should get in to more. I don't know if we should get into scenes and kind of break this one down for anybody. Or is, is that helpful? I don't know. I'm I, it's, it's hilarious. We, we framed this entire episode of saying we're going to go short on the non-spoiler stuff. And now we're saying, well, let's just end it. <laughs> Like, like look, I, I can we can proceed in any way you want, but I, I think I there's do. a large contingent of people who feel the way you do, and I, I see. I dis- a- I disagree. I've only seen well the majority of what I I have not seen like any harshly negative comments about this movie, and I'm not making. I don't feel I'm making harshly negative. I, I like again, this I don't is know. a C plus. My guess is there are people because like I watched it in a room of four people, and two of them kind of are on your wavelength. Like my mom and my brother are on your wavelength. Me and my dad, and maybe this is the difference between me being not having a a background in film at all, and you, and maybe a lot of the critics do obviously do. But like, maybe there is something. To a few podcasts too, I listen to a few podcasts where you know the coasts are split on this movie. I I mean, I feel like I'm I, I come about this as like a regular Joe, and what I was saying to you, I don't think this is fit for for general consumption and when i said that in the pre-show it's like i I don't think that normal movie watching people are going to watch this on the first try and a lot of normal movie watching people aren't going to go back to re-watch this to see what they missed either yeah a movie that they really didn't like right so like that made them feel awkward especially if you have the framing device going in with only the trailer arming you because i think Mm -hmm. the trailer is telling you that this is a serious movie about the the Letourneau thing. What happened with Mary Kay Letourneau? And, yeah, and but I disagree with that because I from the jump. So you I knew figured, from the tra- the first time you watched the trailer, there's this was no way they're make because I could say it, I okay. could see it's hyperbole. That's again, we come back to this. It's so obviously you're not going to make jokes about a pedophile. I knew that going in, and they did not. And I, you can only make jokes about somebody dumb enough to make a movie about a pedophile. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie's about. <laughs> In my mind, you know, pedophile is not funny. <laughs> not going to be funny. Right. That right. The story is not going to be funny at all. But an idiot Hollywood person making a movie about it, that's funny. It's like what Mel Brooks always says. It's not funny when you stub your toe. It's funny when you stub your toe and then you fall down a sewer and die. <laughs> You must be protected at all costs. <laughs> That's why we both like. He's better than any of us. I think you are more sensitive to me. That that's ultimately what I think. I don't. I don't think. I. I genuinely. I don't think that's the issue. I think you have a film background, and I think you're able to see things and a lot of people on film twitter are that may, that maybe i as who come at this as just a normal fan and a normal fan of 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 cinema and not i mean i'm not i'm not as film obsessed obviously i mean you watch everything that comes out and i get to my like 150 movies a year and i'm happy with that 
Like I, I come at still, these. Still, you you are watching way more movies than the average fan. Like, sure, my brother I, I don't watch forty I, movies. Right, and he's I, a I big fan. I don't disagree, but nonetheless, like I I, I come at this as a fan, mm-hmm. and just as a there's just stuff here that's like, this is peanut butter and motor. This is like jelly and Tonka truck sandwich to me. I the way in I think this movie possibly could be made i think you have to minimize and maximize one role or the other but the way in which that this movie is presented where it's this is these stories are treated with equal weight i don't think it could work ultimately it comes down to does the tone have balance and i found balance in the tone and you did not and i but i think that's a lot that's a lot of the debate right now uh over this movie and yeah, I just think you're you're rewarding these actors for their dramatic turns. You're not rewarding them for you're not rewarding Charles Melton for being uh, you know uh, the originator of sci- satire. What's his name? He was just in the Gilded Age, Michael. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, this famous uh, satirist Oliver something. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. Bottom line is you have Charles Melton not being touted as a comedian after this movie. And I think people are like, I view Natalie Portman's performance as above Melton, but I I think people are going to be afraid to nominate her and they're really going to be afraid to nominate more, even though I don't know. Julie, she's not going to win. So damn good. She's not going to win. I mean, those, 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 you know, those, they, they win as supporting the the, the antagonist the, the evil wins supporting sometimes they don't win the yeah but it's never about the the, the child uh, abusers like Idris Elba played the character mm-hmm. That's true. in 2015 yep. and yeah. it's just people don't want to touch that like of course they the should that. do you know the name of it off the top of your head I can't remember the I Netflix know, movie yeah I know exactly what you're talking about the Beast of the, the Southern act, Wild was that the, it the, no 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 Totally different movie, not yeah, about bad movie. stuff at all. Well, God not damn a, it, now i got to look it up. Idris Elba, Netflix, 2015 or 16. But I know exactly what movie it is. Yeah, he won the SAG. I think yeah. the acting branch, the acting branch is going to look at that and say, hey. Beast he of won- No Nation. Beast of No Nation. He's able to go there. I said Beast of the Southern, and it was Beast, yeah. Right. Beast. Yeah. Fantastic Beast. Fantastic Beast. Not Fantastic Beast <laughs> in this instance. But no, you're right. You're. I mean, to... to get back to your point yeah uh, it's it's very touchy but that's also like so is that where melton's getting credit too because he's the victim of that story and he's playing that story that victim and so our hearts want to i mean it's, it's an easy person to root for obviously we wrote 17 pages <laughs> and we've just circled around this splash fight in two feet of water. This, we, we, we thought we were going to do a deep dive, mm-hmm. but instead we're just Schmeagel and <laughs> that other hobbit drowning one another in two feet of water. The return of the king. Again, I'm I'm putting my guilty pleasures on full display. I love fantasy, mm-hmm. science fiction, and fantasy. <laughs> I'm even reading again. I'm, I got the Audible again. I'm reading a new fantasy novel, and I love it. I love every second of it. <laughs> Such a dork. and the puppet trying to drown each other too. Why is that not our slogan? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, <laughs> maybe a good place to at least start going out is like. We need to go out, is what I'm saying. We're well, just, you you think there is a huge. You, we don't have to get into the minutia of it all, but like generally, you're of the belief, and you you wrote this down. There's a, there's a, I mean, this there is. It's not of the belief. There is a factual difference between parody and satire and melodrama well, pa- and all of this. Yeah, pa- and, and and Eric Anderson wrote a tweet about mm. this, saying he thinks a lot of the disconnect on this movie is about all these literary devices. You know, and this is a very literary take on the movie. Um, J- Todd Haynes is trying to do this. Like, and people are getting camp and irony and satire and melodrama and, and all these terms confused in, in the punditry. And then the critics are confusing all these terms. But, like, when you look at when you look at all these terms and what Todd Haynes is trying to do, yeah, I mean, parody is about form. It's comedy about form. And essentially, you can go to a spoof. You can have a farce. There's different levels of parody. Like here you just have this, you have certain elements of Lifetime movies and movies of the week, etc. right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a full-blown parody. You have you have parody in the film. You, you also have like, in my mind, this is like a parody of a melodrama, but it's not a melodrama. We learn cause and effect in this movie with maybe one exception. Right, we don't learn whether or not Gracie was abused by her brothers, but we don't care because it's not her movie. We don't care about the formation of her as a monster. What we care about is uh, Joe getting Joe you getting away from her, getting yes. the hell away from her. That's yes. what we care about. And if we know the story, or if we just read the context clues, we realize he is gone. He is leaving her. Right. He gives Gracie the smoking gun about her being the opposite of what she tells uh, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. I'm naive. I've always been naive of what she told the lawyer. I'm naive. And and the lawyer still doesn't believe. Has it sunk in yet? The lawyer underestimates her. Right. But what we all recognize, if you're going to be with somebody who's 13 years old, you are a predator. You are a pedophile. Absolutely. You are a monster. And we all knew that. Like. Well, we all knew that going in, which is right. why, like, this is ne- you're never gonna t- make a movie about that person, and it's hilarious. It's and it's tragic when Natalie Portman's watching casting calls of those 13 year old kids, 13 year old kids that I work with. Of course, they look that young because they are that young. That's what 13 year old boys look like. I've never agreed okay? with Natalie Portman more than when she says the kids aren't sexy enough. The kids yeah, aren't no, sexy that's enough. The, that's the point you're of, making. Because right. of course yeah. they're not. Of right. course they're not. So they cast a, a, a 17 year old when they finally get around right. to the movie. But and that's what Hollywood and that's always what Hollywood does. does. Yep. And that's why we're so angry with Hollywood always when they make movies about the subject because they gotta sex it up, which is just anathema to what it should be. I, I guess course. I wish like I get you listening to you explain this, like I'm like, yes, yeah, absolutely like I wish again, you have to maximize and minimize one performance over the other, I feel like. Like if that was Holy, the movie that we're getting here. If the movie was about following Natalie Portman in the actual filmmaking experience here, and then it's revealed that she's a terrible actress at the end anyway, it would have the same impact, I feel. But, like, that's a movie I'm in for. But you're giving so much weight to the Charles Melton character here, and that's what ties it down to seriousness. And it gives it. Charles Melton is the salvation of the film, though. Like, we need to know that he's okay. Uh, And this movie sugarcodes some of the trauma that he's going to still have to deal with the, the real guy uh, Feely 
Fulialo. I, I forgive me. I can't say his yeah. name. I don't know. I didn't learn how to pronounce his name. I'm a jerk again. But we have Feely's real life out there. It's out there. You can learn about it. And this movie follows the timeline. And we realize Joe Joe Yu, the fictional character, is about to leave Gracie Atherton. You. She's about to leave her. Right. We know that's happening. So we could take solace in that fact in this horrible drama or the whatever the this semblance of the 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 horror is is he's getting out we know he's getting out and that's so a, where that's does the labels of parody versus satires well satires comedy about substance and it's usually like rage against the machine levels of of anger that and that's why i've always i've always loved comedy uh, i've always loved satire because it's rip and pissed like punching up veep ianucci right ianucci is furious at modern day politics right that is scathing humor right and i think todd haynes is rip and pissed about hollywood i think he's angry about it i think he's angry about the oscar grab we literally have three mirror scenes in this movie to me that's very funny it's very funny it's a parody of the oscar grab this is this movie is ruthlessly angry about oscar grabby films and and it's and it's hyperbolic in this sense that we think we you know they have the audacity to think that they can make an oscar grab about this i like that subject so that that again the movie makes that makes me happy Uh, todd haynes is pissed but you don't think melodrama applies here i think the only melodramatic touch is about her brothers like we don't know whether or not but to me again it's an open and shut case can you explain that why do you feel that way because this movie explains it explains everything i mean we we, we wrote 17 pages on how the drama is seeded okay and the the movie ends with clarity and it's very crystal clear the causes and the effects in melodrama they hide the causes. We see the effects. It's also melodrama is much more concerned about plot. And and that's why soap operas are melodramatic because it's about, oh my God. And then they had an affair with uh, Larry and then Larry's got an evil twin and it's plot, 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 plot. What is the plot of this movie? It's very simple. There's a cookout. There's a, there's an actor doing research and then there's a, a, a graduation and a sex scene at the end. It's very, very sparse on plot. And, and it immediately, immediately takes the piss out of the plot at the end. Like, a big sex scene between, oh my god. But she immediately recognizes it doesn't mean much to her. Because she's screwing her director. She's screwing this guy. She's, she doesn't care. She's the quote-unquote over-the-top Just promiscuous act. Yeah. Just what adults do. And then in, when he con- she condescends to him in that moment, he realizes, what the hell does she know? I've just raised... I just raised three kids. I got them out to college. My kids are okay. I've just I've just gotten through this monster's manipulation, which I'm trying. I'm finally realizing it for what it is, and I got to confront her. But whatever, I'm not going to have that big confrontational scene again. All all this all this I got to tell you all this dialogue is doing for me, and I I, I appreciate it. I'm learning from it, but like. So this movie should be presented with the Eric Anderson also Mike half hour TED Talk preview in front of it because it does provide a better understanding of what's going on but I don't think it's prevalent enough for basic moviegoers. I think nerds like Eric and I 
see what he's trying to do with the form. I agree. And and we take and we And take it's it's so far over the the regular movie schmo like my's head that like I, I, it's it's impossible to catch for a regular guy who's on Netflix wanting to watch something for 2 hours. I think it's I think it's impossible to catch on first blush, which is why I agree. you rewatch the movie, you study it and it's it has more goods. But that's also for, for those reasons is why I say there's no way this is an academy movie. Historically, and the only reason it is now is because one, there's so much love and fawning over it, which I, I call BS on because there's no way everybody got that understanding off their first watch. But nonetheless, and two, the, the respect for the people attached. The Academy is the best in the business. I think the Academy likes to see how the sa- they know how the sausage is made. So if they glimpse, if they glimpse Todd Haynes playing with the form and the function of all this, he's they're going to they're going to have a better understanding than you or I or Eric Anderson even you know somebody who's been studying this for a while so you say that but at the same time they give Green Book best pick you know what I mean like there's right but that's an older academy I think a younger academy and I think a younger artist I think they care more about form and and satire than than older people do as well because the older people like to get like just again, I'm making generalizations, but like when I was younger, I cared much more about Christopher Nolan and and, and in a film bro way, Memento. I cared much more about Christopher Guest making fun of and, and spoofing things. I cared much more about people just flipping the the genre on its head, you know, and breaking the rules, screenwriting rules. But the older I get, the more I like well-made Pixar films and <laughs> Richard kind <laughs> Richard kind we got to stop because I have to go yeah I, I know. work yeah, with we're, young we're, people we're which again is a sick is a sick way for me to admit that you know the fact that this stuff is so wrong right <laughs> and making daring to make a comedy about jerks trying to exploit it right. is funnier to me probably because I work with young people you know because what's your final grade I'm a B plus 87. I probably kind of talked myself up to that after being, when I watched this movie initially, I was like a B minus. I thought about it. It's a B. And I, I don't even remember what I gave a grade. I don't think I tried to grade it on my initial reactions, but I, I'm, I'm like a B plus 87 because the highs are high when this movie hits. I mean, the dramatic scenes with the, the mirror scenes are good. <laughs> Well-performed. I'll go and up to an 81 B minus because of your, but it's all due to your explanation and it's, of form and of what he was trying to do. Well, I wrote down 17 pages. I blurted it all out to you at the end of this because we were just in a circular argument about nonsense. (laughs) If I fight Charles Melton... (laughs) I'm joking. All right. I Uh, have to go. We got to wrap up. Uh, What matters most to us, as always, here, dear listener, are your thoughts. Uh, This is a big one for us. What did you think about May, December? Where do you think about, what do you think about where we landed on it? What do you think ultimately it'll be nominated for at the Oscars? Let us know that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. As always, you can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit are where you can get a hold of us if you are listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app. If you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review on your app of choice, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Michael, tell the good people some words of wisdom and what's coming next from us, and let's close up shop. Here's what what is wise. It is wise to 
for me to write the Google document first and then for you to come off of it and argue with me. It is not wise because I'm unable. I can't do that same thing. Like it is unwise for you to be stuck. And this is my fault because I didn't write the spoiler section. I didn't let well, you know. Well, because I just write manifestos. Like I just write, literally, I write yeah. thoughts as they come into my mind. So I just you have them felt, down. You took it upon yourself to write a manifesto. Yeah. And I then ignored you. Um, <laughs> While trying to make I sense disagree. of it. No, because I disagreed yeah. with you, and I tried to feed your stuff, your manifesto, into the top. Yeah. But then, no, this is a mess. Yeah. This episode was a mess today. <laughs> I, I disagree. I think it went, like, I think I learned a lot. But, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Again, that's the difference between a screen professional and a dope. I, uh, <laughs> a I, don't, think you're a, I don't think you're a dope. I think, I, again, you know. Also, mom and you are going to fist bump on your hatred for, for or at least the fact that you didn't love this movie. I think that's very important to both of you. Uh, what do we um, have next? Beefas. I third. don't know. Yeah. No, we have uh, Beefas, Indie Spirits, uh, the European Film Awards. That's the all, all the, at the end of this weekend. The NBR, that stuff's coming out, right? Those, that those might be out while you're listening to this, yeah. That all of that's coming out, and we'll do an Oscar race checkpoint, kind of focusing on that. I just saw Godzilla minus one. I'm going to see the Boy and the Heron. I don't know if we'll do a Boy and the Heron Oscar profile. I will say Godzilla minus one was much better than I thought it'd be, and I was still skeptical of it. So it's like another like B86, but yeah, we'll go into a review on that. But uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's the, tis the season for a lot of a lot more of these movies to come out. We got American Fiction. We got more Oscars profiles that we have to dive into. The Color Purple. Which yeah. are, you know, definitely, uh, definitely still the hit. We got Ferrari. We got a lot of movies that I would say still have a chance. Like May December was written off, and then here it comes back into into the season. Right? Yeah. Ferrari was written off. Mm-hmm. May come back into the season. Killers of the Flower Room Moon written off by me. Nobody else wrote it off. <laughs> That's going to come out on VOD at Apple TV Plus, and maybe you and I will still tackle it. Yeah, and leaving that possibility open. Maybe I will totally flip my opinion on it. I don't know. I watched it for the first time, didn't like it. Who knows? Anatomy of a Fall. We still want to come back to yeah, that one. Yeah, I'm I'm pressuring you to watch that movie. Watch it. Well, ASAFB. Yeah, I, I want to. Yeah, I want to. Uh, is it and out it, yet on PVOD? Uh, it's not out yet. Yeah, I don't think not, so. Neon does this. Neon yeah. keeps you wanting. Neon mm. gives a a a a, a lull between mm-hmm. the theatrical release and when they come out with it on PVOD, and then there's another lull. Neon honors like windows you know and then they steal oscars from quentin tarantino uh um, works right works <sighs> guys <laughs> when reality sucks you can steal oscars with us we are mike mike and oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see you